0: Welcome to ABC at Noon. This is Paul Schreiner. I am here with Larry Boss. Larry, how are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good, Paul. ABC at Noon is a show that airs live every Monday, or every other Monday, rather, and the show was designed uh, initially to prepare the population of Valparaiso for the municipal election, which is now over. So we're entering phase two of ABC at Noon, and if you enjoy it and you want to listen to it twice more, you can do that by tuning in Tuesday at 5 o'clock or Sunday at 5 o'clock when this show will be rebroadcast. Now I am going to turn this over to Dr. Larry Boss, professional political scientist, to introduce not only uh, kind of the format of our post election show, but also our very special guest.
1: I want to remind people before we do that you are listening to wvlp lp 103.1 on your radio dial paul already indicated when we replay uh, but but also i think it's important to recognize that this program streams live uh, you can go to wvlp.org and you can listen to us any place in the world and as long as you're on wvlp.org you can find a place to to donate money to the program and one of the features of the donation now is we're raising money to buy a new board that will allow people to call in to complain about what Paul says. Uh, so I think that's, that should be a good incentive, basically, for people to think about contributing.
0: Over the years, we've wrestled with phone calls uh, back and forth. And the technology of how we broadcast requires some pretty sophisticated equipment to pull it off. And we expect this year or very close to this year, meaning by the end of the year, to have that technology
1: in place. Larry. Okay, uh, Paul already sort of said a little bit about ABC, but I want to remind people a little more detail that this was started uh, about uh, almost two years ago, a good year and three quarters or something like that. A bunch of people got together and said, what could we do to make this a better community? We came up with the notion of an agenda for a better community, which is what the ABC stands for. Uh, and uh, again, if you go to ABC, Velpo, abcvelpo.org. you can go to that web page and you can find the document on the agenda community for a better community we'll talk about that agenda uh, uh later in the program and, and that's what we do almost every time we're on the air but i think if people are interested in that go to that website look at those issues and and contact people and to talk about those kinds of issues paul already pointed that out about the pre-election thing we invited all of the candidates running for office during that period. Uh, We got responses from 13 of the 19 of those candidates, and we interviewed all of them uh, on the air. Uh, And those uh, interviews played not only originally and during the normal replay time, but two weeks before the election, they played over and over and over again. Um, And we also had a forum, a two-hour forum at Trinity Lutheran Church uh, not just not sponsored by the church, but a forum for ABC, uh, attended by about seventy people. And again, how many candidates we have there, Paul? I believe we had seven candidates. Seven candidates there, and again, that was taped and it were played, uh, played over and over again prior to uh, the election on the air. And so I figured it. Probably about 80 hours of of those interviews played, trying to trying to set the stage for people to think about a wide variety of different kinds of of issues. So, as Paul indicated, we are now in the post-election cycle, and our goal is to keep talking about those issues and other issues that that come up. And I, I need to remind people that I already asked for donations, but that this. uh, These programs on WVOP are sponsored by not only generous contributions from listeners like you, uh, some underwriters, but also we are sponsored by a cultural grant from the Community Relations Council and we thank them for uh, contributing to uh, this particular program. Today we start something new in the post electoral period. One of the things we wanted to do, one of the things that, that the grant allowed us to do was to have someone attend on a regular basis uh, the city council meetings. And Jack Ballantyne, okay, generously agreed to be that particular person. And uh, essentially, Jack is with us here today. So I want to welcome Jack to ABC at Noon. Thank you, Larry. Okay, good to have you. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit first and say people have been listening to Paul and I for about 18 or 20 years, basically. Uh, but you're new here on, on the program. Tell us a little bit about your background so people know who they're, who they're uh, listening to.
2: Okay, thanks uh, for this opportunity first to uh, be someone that uh, can report out on the city council meetings. I find it very interesting. I've lived in Valparaiso for 24 years. I've moved here from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I started my Work career with Bethlehem Steel, Uh, worked in Bethlehem until 1996 uh, and moved out here with Bethlehem Steel to the Burns Harbor Plant and went through all the changes that we saw in uh, the steel industry as it affected uh, this area. And uh, um, I went through the changes with ISG, uh, uh, Arcelor Middle, uh, and then uh, I had... um, uh, retired then in um, 2015. Um, I really enjoy uh, digging into the, uh, not really the political side of the community, but just the community itself. Uh, I love to meet people and gain some experience from their experiences. And I think it's real important that people uh, everyone in the city of Valparaiso uh, participate in uh, its future and that's part of the reason I took this job it's not only to communicate uh, what the city council is do doing uh, for us uh, in order to inform everyone better but also to inspire uh, participation uh, not only in the events in the community but in the governance of the community.
0: Jack can, can anybody attend? City council meetings.
2: Anyone can attend. Yes. Do
1: a lot of people attend city council meetings?
2: Uh, it depends on the topic and uh, if word gets out on a particular topic and people feel like they're stakeholders uh, more so. So basically, on a normal meeting, I'm going to guess 40. On a is- if there's an issue that involves a, say a hot topic, uh, maybe 100. I'm guessing something like that.
0: And when are those meetings?
2: They are the second and fourth Mondays of each month at 7 o'clock at the City Hall uh, building on yeah. uh, Lincoln Way.
1: And as your first task for us, you attended the meeting last Monday. Correct. That was right, last, last mm-hmm. Monday. Uh, can you give us some, some some of the highlights of what happened at that meeting? Okay. Uh,
2: yeah, this was the meeting of uh, November 11th, and there were basically three topics, and that's uh, typical of what happens at these meetings. There's a presentation of some issue that the city is uh, working on, and then there's uh, consideration of resolutions and consideration of ordinances. At this meeting, uh, the presentation uh, was on a, uh, a study being done by the city on creating what they call railroad quiet zones. I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, the Then there were two resolutions uh, which uh, were concerning uh, facade improvements of some of the downtown businesses. And the third area was the first reading of four ordinances. The way City Council works on uh, ordinances basically is there's a first reading. These ordinances are available at the meeting so people can see them. And that's probably going to be your first a view of what the ordinance is as a as a citizen I say. Uh, so they go through a first reading and then in subsequent meetings and most likely the next meeting they will have what's called a second reading. Then the city council will pose questions and discuss and then they will offer it up for a public hearing. At that time is when anybody in the audience that's attending can voice an opinion or a question or whatever and that's Uh, when you can uh, actively participate in the ordinance. At the end of that, (laughs) traditionally what I've seen in the last six months that I've gone is this happens, you have the first reading, then in the subsequent uh, meeting is the second reading with all that other, the council and your participation, and then there's a vote. Normally there's a vote unless there's some overriding problem that they would table it. Because of, uh, of an issue, and then the city council votes on it and creates the ordinance.
0: Jack, how many votes are there?
2: Um, how is, many members of the city council? Oh, okay. Are there? there are seven members of the city council five that represent distinct districts and two at large positions. The mayor does not uh, vote. Well,
1: can, uh, well
2: so we can go through yeah, uh, some of the specifics of those things. On, as far as the, the citizens, with regard to the railroad quiet zones, there are three railroad corridors that traverse our city, uh, and they are operated by three main railroad lines. <clears throat> Excuse me, The uh, Canadian National is the one that people most interact with probably because that's the line that starts as far as Valparaiso goes. Uh, at the West End crossing Lincoln Way up near one, uh, 150 West, comes across um, Froberg Road, then Yellowstone, uh, Lafayette, Washington, Franklin, Calumet, Roosevelt, Sturdy, and Silhavy, kind of paralleling uh, Evans.
1: And stopped numerous times at every one of those <laughs> yeah i was
2: stopped there on the way here today actually yeah uh, but that's kind of a good thing that's uh, uh in some ways a good thing and in others the reason for these quiet zones is <clears throat> the railroad uh is required by federal law to blow its horn at every crossing and that's what the issue is uh that uh that horn sounds to warn people up to 1,500 feet away. So people that live obviously close to the railroad track and up to 1,500 feet away from it are receiving decibel readings of 80 decibels or greater, which is at the point you're obviously going to notice. Um, So the Canadian National is that main line. The other two are the uh, what is called the Chicago, Fort Wayne, and Eastern Railroad. That's the one that kind of traverses through the area of Von Tobel's at Washington Street, and then Lafayette, Napoleon, uh, and then um, out to the west. Uh, and then the third one is the Norfolk Southern. That is the southernmost railroad uh, crossing, and that one is the one that you would uh, at that Onco property that's where you would cross on South Campbell you would see a crossing there and the overpass that you go under uh, on Washington Street that's part of that line so that's more south so what the city is looking at there is they've done a study it started uh, in uh, May of uh, 2018 to gather data on the noise and frequency of trains and uh, they're concentrating on the Canadian National as far as that line that traverses uh, 10 crossings through uh, many neighborhoods uh, in, in Valparaiso. Um,
1: I just, uh, looking at the numbers you gave us, I was looking at the fact that that means that there are 64 trains that go through the city of Valparaiso every day. Correct.
2: Okay. Uh, by their study, yes.
1: And that's, um, that's a lot of trains. Uh, and, and well, I go ahead. I, I won't interrupt you anymore here.
2: Um, No, that's fine. Any questions you have, it's fine. Uh, So the reason they're concentrating on that is its proximity to a large part of the population of Valparaiso. As Larry's mentioning, in that particular line, there are 24 trains a day. They're kind of split day and night. uh, And there are 10 crossings involved, which that horn's going to blow. Those trains average two miles long. So uh, it is uh you know blowing uh, probably as it traverses uh, um, the city um, so that's why they took a look at that as the starting point for this project a quiet zone requires that the crossing be totally guarded by gates uh, it has uh, emergency warnings if electricity would go out and those gates were inoperative and it needs signs to say that there is no train horn um, so it's trying to use technology to maintain a safe crossing uh, and then eliminate the, uh, the, the noise or the requirement. The uh, variance to that law uh, with these specific requirements of how you have to create a crossing uh, is what Valpro- Valparaiso is looking at. The cost <clears throat> to, for all the remedial uh, work needed on those 10 crossings, some are already in code um, for a quiet zone. All of them are in code for crossing um, is uh, the range for alternatives that were presented is uh, uh, 1.5 million dollars for the, uh doing every crossing down to uh, about a million dollars if you eliminate crossings the city is not Considering el- eliminating crossings, so that would create traffic issues at this time or not? Considering that they were just offered that up as information, was that uh, a total
1: cost? Was that one point five million for all of them or per, per crossing?
2: No, that's the total cost total to course. create a quiet zone on that one corridor, the uh, okay. Canadian National Corridor, the most northerly, the most northerly, yeah. uh, and then uh, most obnoxious one too. Probably yes. Yeah. So um, uh, that's their, their starting point. At this point, they're just, uh, this was the result of the study. There's no active next steps at the moment. What they said is our next city council that'll be seated in January, uh, they will t- at some point take up the issue of the quiet zone. Uh, and uh, as those things come up, the citizens that are probably most directly impacted they should, you know, voice their opinion and follow it if uh, they want to keep that as a high priority.
0: I've got a question for you, Jack. Uh, First, I'm going to remind everybody they're listening to ABC at Noon, Larry Boss and Paul Schreiner with city council reporter Jack Ballantyne. Jack, what was the catalyst for bringing this up?
2: Um, I'm not sure because it started a year ago, so I wasn't there. But I'm going to guess, based on the... Who I saw in the audience and knew they were residents of the communities that are very close to that particular line. It was so a I big thing
1: for a central neighborhood association. Was a big, I believe so? That some of me. the people that I saw yeah.
2: were central neighborhood people.
0: Just as a sort of an anecdote, uh, not this last <laughs> summer but the previous summer, we built a, a duplex. Project neighbors built a duplex on South Morgan Boulevard. Right a piece of property south of the intersection of Morgan and Union as close to the railroad tracks as was literally possible. Exactly. And, and at one
1: time, the ugliest piece of property in the city. It was
0: an ugly piece of property. It's beautiful now. But let me tell you, when the train came through, yes. it, uh, it shook the rafters. It was loud. Now, we have people living there, and it's much quieter inside the house with the doors and windows closed. But it's a.
1: You get used to it. I live by a train. I grew up by a train, and you mm-hmm. get used to it. <clears> yeah, but train. look
2: at how you turned out. Yeah.
1: Well, okay, let's not talk about yeah. like that. You know what, <laughs> yeah, that's, what's a, also- that's
2: a that's an interesting issue. Is that that particular line is the one that is the Chicago Fort Wayne line crosses Axe Road, and that's the one you're talking right. about. Uh, that one has uh, nine trains a day, which is a blessing for those people. if if, if there is a blessing to that. And it does have 11 crossings coming across. But basically, that's in an area that you're starting to, to move away from some neighborhoods. But the issue is, just as Paul mentioned, we do have people still that are listening to that, that noise. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's uh, an issue for them. Can I
1: add to, Paul, I asked the question, what's the driving force behind these? But um, if you go back to the early 20th century, this is a battle been going on since trains began and mm-hmm. it actually it's a very important constitutional issue because trains are involved in interstate commerce and for local go- local institutions governments of anything to regulate them is a significant constitutional question so so when it early came out there's was, there was no doubt the courts ruled back in the early 20th century you can't mess with them those those trains can blow their wounds anytime they want so it's only been a, a matter of, of years where the courts have adjusted those to to, to allow for these kinds of things, and then right. you know, then they're, they're complicated things. But this is a, you know, only only person interested in con law in the early 20th century would be excited about blowpost signs yeah. and stuff like yeah. that, or maybe That's civil true. engineers would be interested. in yes. that kind yes. of stuff like that. That's so. true. Oh, Jack, one, one, one more point. Why this always excites me. One of the th- I know I lived in Kent State, Kent, Ohio for from nineteen sixty eight to nineteen seventy-four. And one thing that people all the people have talked about the shootings at Kent State, the only guy who ever really understood that was Mitchner's book on that, where in the middle of the town there are fourteen railroad crossings right together. Mm. Okay? And so if you if you didn't get one, you got the next one. So mm. you had to be sitting there and there's a big sign up there that says Last gas station before the railroad trains, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, it was a significant issue of what side of the tracks you lived on. And it was just sort of a a foregone conclusion that people – accepted people to be late for places because they knew the trains ran. It was a continuing source of tension between a university with 25,000 people and a town with 17,000 people, and the students were always just compl- – anyway, I, I, when I see these things, I go, well, people don't understand. These are, these can be significant issues, not only because of noise, but because of the – you know, and each train, you said in your reports, is two miles long. Mm-hmm. I mean, how long yes. have we all waited and counted? The only good thing we have now is the arc. The art on the side of the trains is, is, is that, interesting that,
2: yeah that is interesting
1: that's probably it's a side un, un, uninteresting historical note i can see by paul's expression that no
0: no a, i think all these comments are legitimate yeah, i'm just yeah. uh giving giving jack the, the, the nod yeah, to continue
2: okay yeah the one comment to that i would say what larry was bringing up about this is a federal government law and then it has filtered down to municipalities trying to do what's best for their citizens yeah. by trying to create a variance to it while maintaining safety uh, there's a lot of issues in Valparaiso by which we would say our hands are tied by federal or state law. But if you work at it, you might find a way that the citizens of a particular community can figure out a way to keep things uh, to the letter of the law,
1: but more to the intent of the law and make their community better.
2: So that's the only thing I'd add there. And things
1: can get worse. in Chester than a few years ago. the problem because the guys would stop to train in the middle of downtown and stop off and get lunch you know so it's okay that's going to be get a long you know, way wrong,
2: wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah. trains are a good thing by the way to uh it's moving oh, the economy absolutely. with uh in a, a kind of an efficient uh from a environmental standpoint method so you know it's like everything else in life but, you know,
1: it, it's a good point about this being a complicated issue. You're balancing Everything. quality of life, as you put in the report here, with the necessity of trains. Mm-hmm. I mean, they used to have speed limits for trains. I don't know if they still do, but trains going through city had to slow down, mm-hmm. and which complicates you know, the whole matter because then they go slower and they block the things longer. So anyway. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so that's uh, the presentation, and that's something that will be coming up next year. Uh, And we'll keep you abreast of that. Uh, The next one was uh, two resolutions were passed, and they involved, like I said, the granting of facade improvement reimbursement grants. Uh, The two buildings, uh, establishments that we're looking at is 5 Lincoln Way, that's the old-style restaurant, and 161 Lincoln Way, which is across the street and down a little bit, basically across from City Hall. uh, They received a $37,000 grant uh, because um, old style is looking for improvement on the uh, street side and these grants are given to businesses that have visibility to the business district so uh, they're going to be doing their front is on 161 they're doing both the front and the back because the back is uh, has uh, can be seen from the uh, Central Park area and the whole plaza area, so it has visibility there. Um, this is a program that the city has engaged in, and you know, from my experience here of, of the twenty uh, odd years that I have been here, I when I travel around the United States, I love going through small towns, and I look at them, and I would say Valparaiso is one of the the, the better towns that I've seen they care about the way it looks in this program is part of what makes that happen um, uh, right now the city does budget a hundred thousand dollars for these grants and these grants are a 50-50 match the uh, person who owns the building is going to invest a certain amount and the up to $25,000 the city would match. So if you had a uh, fifty thousand dollar improvement, uh, the city would uh, match twenty-five, and you would put twenty-five for that improvement.
1: Is there any reason why that the, this one sixty-one got a thirty-seven thousand? Because it's front and back. It's front twenty-five back. Okay, on the okay. front, and then
2: they're going to create an access to the park area, like you see on, say, Sage Restaurant, maybe. Uh yeah. a couple of the restaurants have is that access. Is the whole
1: front of that? Because there's like they, this um, the, yeah, it's, fluid it's, bar and all that, fluid coffee place, whatever it is. Yeah, there's the, a couple.
2: There's like four establishments that are currently okay. in that building. So uh, they what they present to the planning commission, I believe it is, is the overall. They have all the details. They approve the architectural arrangements and uh, um, agree or disagree with what they're going to do
0: and and it's critical to realize that this is our tax money yes That's that is the point yeah. yes oh,
2: yeah. every there is no on all these projects that we do it, it is no, there's nothing free you may not feel it exactly in your pocketbook because of the way things are managed here uh, which is not a bad thing but i'm just saying that every everything that is done uh does have some implication every citizen in valparaiso and so when you like the reason i mentioned going down main street is when you traverse uh, main street and you get a good feeling that's a good thing when you see central park that's a good thing but those things weren't free yes right
0: that, in, interestingly there is another grant program in the city of valparaiso and this one you will never see but you might realize in the long run that it's there and that is a sprinkler system fire suppression sprinkler system grant that several buildings including the one we are in right now participate in and that's because of that huge fire we had a few years back the uh what was the name of the department store downtown that burned anybody I can't remember. Of
2: the furniture store? No, it was
0: a department store.
2: Yeah, it was a department store. Uh, yeah, right.
0: Well, everybody, I forget. everybody yeah. that's been here for a while remembers there was a big department store. Yes. And that the night of that fire, that was a huge fire. This grant was created to preserve those old buildings because most of them do not have sprinkler systems. And again, it's a 50-50 right. grant.
1: Right. I'm wondering, was there any indication about competition for other? Because there's only $100,000 they do. There's 62,000 already, and that's this is the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So there must not have been a lot, of, a lot of other applications. Well,
2: the the only other uh, – I've been in a couple of meetings uh, before I started in this concentrated effort, uh, and it's just been here and there as far as – there's been a lot of improvement. Uh, a lot of this grant money has, over the last yeah, years, imagine, has yes, been – So it's probably slowing it, up yeah. maybe a little bit. Uh, because a lot of buildings have, if you look at downtown, a lot yeah. of them have. I think the last one was, I think, at the corner of was it Lafayette or Washington and Lincoln Way that I that uh, they had a major uh, grant given to. They did both the side and the the front. So yeah, I think it's just uh, an ongoing thing, and um, it's uh, the as far as the program goes, they. People can read about it if you go on the city website and click on the facade improvement program and what their intention is. And it's like Paul said, good comes out of it, just like that fire suppressant grant. As a community, we're trying to help business, and businesses are trying to help us. And uh, together, you know, we just got to keep working together. So uh, it's uh, a program that has resulted in what you see along Lincoln Way. So what else happened? Okay, so uh, the, the next uh, item were ordinances and the major ordinance, uh, well, I guess there were two major ordinances that were discussed. Now these are in their first reading. Uh, so they were just uh, put out there. The first one is the uh, uh, appropriation uh, of monies uh, that go to what is called the park non-reverting fund. This is the uh, fund that the park collects the money from all the fees uh, that participants in various programs in the park department like the adult softball leagues, uh, 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 the uh, youth sports programs, the day camps, anything that the the parks department programs are collecting a fee, the money goes in and then an ordinance is created that the parks department uh, describes what its intentions are for uh, the upcoming uh, 2020 fiscal year to spend those monies. Uh, So basically uh, they outline uh, for adult enrichment, youth enrichment, adult sports, youth sports, uh, youth camps, Roger Lakewood facility, special events, uh, golf, The Creekside Debt Service, Central Park Plaza, Bike Share, Banta, and Dog Park. Those are the main program areas, and within each one, there are several different programs. They didn't go into that, but if you uh, go, again, into the Valpo website, um, city uh, website, uh, there is some description of what these programs are. So they just outline for the citizens what their magnitude of... uh, Uh, expenditure on these programs going to be in the upcoming year so this money uh, the overall budget for the non reverting fund is 2.4 million and that comes from those fees that's not tax money that's not property tax that is the fees that come in from uh, these various activities the major ones are the central plaza uh, through those events that are held there and uh, other uh, fees that are generated. And part of that then helps actually pay for a lot of the free stuff that uh, occurs there. Uh, again, so it's a, uh, when you look at the participation in, at that park location, those summer concerts, the movies, the, uh, um, um, Trying to think of what just the splash pad. Oh, yeah, that's what that that was my main one, right? The splash pad. Again, when I travel through Valparaiso, I don't use the splash pad, and and most people are going to be glad I don't because if they <laughs> saw me in a bathing suit, they would not <laughs> like that. But anyway, yeah. when I do drive by, the too, thing you know. that does put a smile on my face when I see all those kids, that is free entertainment, and that is. A city that is, uh, you know, responsive to to a need, Uh, but
0: but it's not just the splash pad; it's the landscaping. Yes, it's the decorating around the holidays. Correct. It is uh, basically keeping that area very, very clean. All of those things
2: cost. Yes,
0: it's a real feature for the community.
2: Yes, and that the ice rink, as far as in the winter, and then the the events that they have in the summer. Uh, Yes, it's again, again, it's not free. Every citizen is really paying for that, but again, they don't necessarily see that, but they are in some way paying for it. But again, it is something that uh, has heightened Valparaiso uh, as, a, as a place to not only visit, but for people in the community to come downtown and participate uh, and uh, uh, encourage this, uh, the businesses and so forth. Uh, so anyway, that's the, the, the 2.4. That's in line with what it has been. That's what it looked like uh, basically last year. Uh, so for the last couple of years, it's kind of been since Central Park Plaza and the uh, Creekside Golf Course was created, that has kind of been the general uh, level of uh, fee. Uh, receipts and then they, this this has to do with how they're going to
1: spend it can I ask one question to clarify my own mind so you gave us a table here mm-hmm. and I uh, might assume this is the the pot that was created and this is what people got the organizers got not what they took in
2: correct okay. they are they my understanding was they put it all in, in the one discussion distributed yeah okay. the at the next council meeting which is the 25th uh, the, and the reason that that's important is this particular one is going to uh, have a public hearing. So if uh, any citizens want to question or whatever, uh, anything related to the pro parks programming, that would be the time to do it. But at that meeting, they also will be estimating what the fees created by the various programs. They would hand that out. I do not have that yeah. at this time.
1: What's interesting about that then is that uh, look at the distribution of funds. It's about a million dollars towards golf. Because if you add yes. the Greek side debt, yes, to the eight hundred yeah. eight seven ninety five, that's a million dollars for golf.
2: Yeah, and the important thing there is that the golf actually pays back one hundred twenty percent annually. So in other words, the okay. fees people pay for playing golf, it so they're pays, not getting as much as they get. That's collecting. what the yeah. that's what the data that I see. Would indicate that that it's being paid back. As a non-golfer, that helps. Yes, that, that's why. That's important. That's important to yeah, know, yeah, right? Very much, when yeah. you see these things, say, "Why are we yeah. just like that? A million dollars for golf." But again, these are a community trying to say uh, that they offer this up as an opportunity for people to get out and exercise and this that, and the other thing, and they do have fees related to them and in that particular case when you look at all of them they're in the 95 to 100 percent pay for themselves when you look at the the detail so that's the good part the bad part is one of the things in the. uh, the study, the master plan for the parks, There, there. one of the comments was, and this is the thing we have to be careful of, is that you want these programs, they're really good, but you also want to make them affordable to everybody, no matter yeah, what. That's correct. And that is the difficult, that's the complexity of this one. This is great, just like, no one, okay, so Paul, you don't have to care about golf being a million bucks. Ba- because it pays for itself. No, that, but no, what maybe- about the guy that can't would like to play golf, but you know, it's well. I'm going to challenge that.
0: It may not pay for itself because we're not talking about capital expense here. Well, that would be another thing. That is correct. Non-reverting funds, which correct. are funds that are earned from programs. Yes. How much of how much of the property tax uh, bucket of money is allocated mm-hmm. to support that golf facility over and yeah. above this? And I'm not saying it's inappropriate. I'm saying no. that to, to say that it is not. Draining something from yeah. from yeah. the from general fund yeah. might and, be inaccurate,
2: right? And that is that is a an, an interesting point uh, because when you do look again, the 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 amount that was uh, the capital expenditure last year, and again, I'm I'm going to say this, but with a caveat that I haven't delved into the accounting of the the city, so I'm not an expert, but just looking at the graphs that were put out, they would say that they spent $88,000 on capital improvement. Now prior to that, there's a lot more capital improvement, but the thing about Valparaiso that's interesting about capital improvement, to get to your point, is when you look at Central Park Plaza, and this is part of what's good about this community. Uh, but also, as you grow, you you got to make sure you, you got it under control. But when you look at Central Park Plaza, the breakdown of that it was about the total cost for the skating rink and the plaza is about twelve million dollars. Uh, Four million of that came from private donation. Uh, these are people that, uh, and and some of those are. Uh, uh, Porter Health, I'll just name some of the naming rights on the amphitheater Porter Health right. uh, the uh, McMillan family, uh, the Leeds family, uh, the Urschel family and Indiana beverage. All those groups contributed for well, and there might have been others, but they're the main ones in the article that I read. so of that, Four million, about six and a half million came from the redevelopment committee, and that's where you you, you get into the the sharing of the tax base of, of Valparaiso, um, and then the balance comes from uh, a, a variety of of items, uh, um, you know, just. Uh, Uh, fees and certain other things so basically it's that's how capital for the parks is in a community like this which has relatively speaking a a more than above average park system for the community uh, population so that's a positive that's a selling point for Valparaiso and the way they manage them selling point for Valparaiso but there are needs for capital improvement to sustain them and that is something in the future and not too distant future that has to be addressing Tower Park was the the most recent park that had some uh, work done on it uh, from a capital standpoint.:
0: and I think that was a, an individual donor.
2: Okay, maybe I'm, yeah, you know, I don't know that much yeah. about that specific well, thing. But why just, I
1: interrupt for a second and remind people this is WVLP, LP 103.1. We've got Paul Schreiner and me, Larry Boss. We're just listening to, listen to this extensive, detailed, fascinating <laughs> report on a city council from Jack Ballantyne. The so, city council reporter. What did I say? You said Jack
0: Ballantyne, but I p- attached the title to it. Okay. Because it's an official. It's a, it's an official position,
1: Larry. It's a, okay. unlike you and I. I yeah, here, yeah. Okay. I know. I, I'm not unofficial. I know that. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, but we need to remind people because Paul and I know that we've listened to some stories and if you tune you know, in in, who, in the middle, who the heck who, is who that the, talking? Who is this guy? All right. So, anyway, carry on. Okay, I so, want to say something about the, the dog ahead. park. No, but that's okay. we we'll, we'll go Where on. is the dog park? Uh, that out. I haven't found. Go ahead. Pardon? It's I out, out. out um, you go past the high school in Campbell, and it was that you said that rock place there. The people who the stone oh, on, thing oh, on the Clifford. right there, Clifford Rock. Clifford rock. Oh, okay. That's right. on the east side. Yeah, of it's Campbell. on the east side. It's a you know right beyond that. And they've made that. And episode? it's a big sign here that says. Uh, uh, Valpo Nursery I think okay. it says and then they got the gate I don't think it's open is it? I don't, I don't know I don't really didn't get into the dog park I anyway, used okay. to have, we used to have dogs I just but. was going to Paul was going to criticize the golf I was in a Support the dog park. But anyway, Yeah. So,
2: okay. Again, this is just shows, you These know, individuals, this is what yeah. a community is about. You, you, you know, everything costs money, and if you don't think yeah. you or have a stakeholder in it, but we all do. It's everybody. It's it's how it all comes together. It's not just because whether I participate or not, like I said, yeah. I enjoy when I pass uh, seeing kids playing in a splash pad. That's a real positive for the city. And, Politics is about the
1: reallocation fun. of values. Yes. Redistribution of valued goods. Yeah.
2: Uh, so anyway, that uh, the important thing there is uh, uh, if if you have certain things that you want to bring up about uh, the programs of the Parks Department or your needs or whatever, the next council meeting, which is November 25th, Monday, November 25th to 7, they are going to have the public hearing on that particular uh, item. Uh, the next ordinance was uh, the parking fund, which is a routine uh, that is hundred sixty seven thousand uh, dollars Valparaiso maintains one paid parking garage down there at the end of Napoleon Street at Monroe and then throughout the city uh, they just maintain parking uh, mostly which uh, again a, a, a good thing free parking in the, the city uh, and then a various uh, lots that have been created around the city are there still parking meters Exactly. I have no, I do not know of any parking. Mean, I think they've been totally eliminated. I don't think eliminated. they,
1: they pulled them all out. Yeah. I just parked downtown before I got here, and yeah, you just there's all those things. You got the map you sent us. Basically, had yeah. all the there the are two hour places, three hour places. Correct. I don't They're see just
2: any. that's right. They're just our Yeah. yeah they movement, right. Right. Yeah. right, which again a good thing. To keep, you know, the people access to the businesses. It
0: sure beats what I see in Chicago where you pull your credit card out. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. And oh. I don't know what it costs because yeah.
2: I don't do that very much. Yeah. So every time people visit another municipality, whether it's a large city or a small city, there are small cities or, or towns around here that still have their parking meters. That right. is, okay, so Valparaiso has moved on from that and come up with better ways to say, hey, parking's free. And we'll do it another way, and that is They're
1: still very, very picky about that two-hour thing. Well, that's okay. I'm I'm not complaining about it, no. I'm not complaining about it at (laughs) all. So if you work downtown, you've got to park, find something.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and that's why they provide... That's why uh, it's part of all that they they look at. And it's not a, a... you know, it's, it, 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 as we grow, it will be more of an issue as far as parking is always an issue in cities. And it, it's kind of one of those good problems. If you've got a parking problem, then you've
1: got a lot of activity going on. At the forum uh, with the uh, at-large candidates arguing, uh, debating at the Opera House, George Douglas made a comment. He said parking is a good problem to have. If you yes. don't have a parking problem, right. you got problems, you know, so – I'm not sure I would agree 100% with that, but, you know, it's a good way to look at it. And
0: for those who are young enough not to remember, in the 70s, if you were to go downtown on a Wednesday evening, you could park anywhere. anywhere. That's right. Because mm-hmm. there was nothing going on. Yeah. And that is dramatically yeah, different today.
2: exactly. Yes. Uh, okay, so I'll wrap this up kind of. The other major ordinance that is in first reading is the... Amendments to what they call the Unified Development Ordinance, which is basically, I'm going to frame it as like the building codes uh, in in Valparaiso. It the this particular these particular amendments have to do with Article 11, which is, is centered around the business uh, commercial buildings, and uh, what they're proposing is uh, revisions to outdated building architecture and construction features and building materials, and introduce new materials um, uh, to encourage investment and maintain the character of the city. Um, Most of the people that responded to this on first reading are uh, contractor or building owners. I know uh, Family Express had a representative there. And uh, from the business side, they're interested in, uh, uh, again, making sure that we can create uh, efficient, safe, Buildings and uh, you know what the city requires, and the materials you use is important to that. So we're looking at uh, the city is looking at uh, there uh, since this was last revised, which I don't know exactly the year, but since then there have been a lot of uh, innovations in materials that are more energy efficient and durable, and that's kind of what they're just trying to update. Uh, This code uh, on the way I understand it. And I didn't get into the detail of that chapter 11, uh, but you do have a lot of uh, businesses, contractors, and they asked if the city could give them more time. So I'm not sure they may table this even at the next meeting because uh, some of those groups asked if they could get into the detail of what these mean before and give recommendations if they have any. So it may or may not be. Uh, voted on next meeting but there will be a public hearing from
0: a builders perspective it is a major challenge to know and to find one's way through the unified uh, ordinances that govern building Uh, you typically you rely on the builder to know that stuff uh, and they don't always Mm -hmm. because it's always changing many times we have done something and and the building inspector says can't do that anymore so there's some challenges there and and i i appreciate the fact that the city is knowledgeable and knows how to do things safely and enforces it but in the process it's not always pleasant of being regulated in that
1: way sort of discriminates against small contractors who don't have large staff that might be able to do that. You know, I went through and I re- went back and read Article 11 just to see what I was going to ask the same question you just answered. How does a builder know all this stuff mm-hmm. without sitting there with these, with these pages after pages after pages? Because some of them are as detailed as the, the inset of the window, how yes. wide the windows yes. can be, the relationship, and how many uh, open spaces you can have. This is all commercial you know, building. I- interestingly enough...
0: In Indiana, if you're building a commercial building, you have to have an architect design it. In residential buildings, which do have a lot of regulation also, you don't have to have an architect. If you hire an architect, you are basically paying him to know this stuff. But that's a a, a substantial percentage of the cost Mm -hmm. of the building. So to make housing affordable, you don't hire an architect, and then
2: you are somewhat at a disadvantage. Okay. The uh, last ordinance uh, uh, that uh, was presented was on collection boxes around the city. These are the boxes that you see that would ask uh, to donate books, clothing, um, uh, different different items. Uh, What the city realized uh, is they did their travels around, that they really didn't have any control of where those boxes would be placed, who owned them, whether, you know, were they being picked up and and switched around properly. So this ordinance gets to providing uh, the uh, kind of regulation around those boxes, how they'll be tracked, how they'll be registered, uh, just to make sure that, uh, you know, say like a Goodwill box, isn't uh overspilling and left there for days and uh, seeing the weather and those things. So it's just a, a matter of uh, managing how those boxes are uh, tracked and, and maintained throughout the city. Um, they don't have a problem with the boxes uh, at this time as long as they're, you know, uh, well, they're gonna put a regulation in to make sure that they're in places they should be and properly uh, maintained. So that that was the uh, end of the meeting, and like I said, the next council meeting is Monday, November 25th at 7 p.m. at City Hall, and um, I'll be there. And
0: I want to thank you. That was absolutely amazing. Yep. Detailed and understandable and uh, a real service, I think, to our citizens, at least the ones that are interested in, in city governor. government
1: well you begin to realize how complex this is this is not just like hey my leaves got to get picked up it's more complicated than that because all the issues related to safety I mean having sprinkler systems in a building to have uh, materials on the side of a building that don't fall off after two years I mean these are these are incredibly important kinds of issues that the city deals with on a day-to-day
0: basis and the City Council consists of seven elected members who are basically the same as the average folks walking downtown. Yes. And they have to become knowledgeable, and they have to read, and they have to research, and ultimately have to, they have to make decisions. They have to vote. And unlike congressmen and senators who I assume have staffs, paid staffs, I don't think these folks do. No. They're, they're really almost volunteer legislators. They do make a nominal salary of, I don't know, six or $7,000 a year.
2: Uh, I think on the new schedule,
1: it might be 11.
0: Okay. It's not big money. Right. Um,
1: Mayor's salary jumped up substantially. It it did.
0: It did. But, Larry, you had some other things you wanted to talk about. Well,
1: actually, and I do, but I want to bring up something, and I think we have time to do it. What have you been doing today, Paul? Why don't you explain to people what you've been doing and what you are doing this week? Well, Larry has
0: asked me to explain something that could require the rest of the show to give background. But you've got
1: 30 seconds.
0: Suffice it to say, uh, Project Neighbors, the organization that I am the director of, is involved in an effort in uh, an African country, the country of Ghana. And we have visited it three times in preparation for building some somewhat innovative housing without going into all the details... We are a very, very, very small entity trying to make a little bit of a dent in a huge problem. And we caught the attention of the national government of Ghana. And on his own, the cabinet-level minister of this, uh, you might call him the, it's the head of uh, housing and urban devel- development. I think
1: it's, that's fair, Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, on his own, he is visiting Valparaiso because he sees this as the location for this effort in his country. So I spent the morning having breakfast with uh, Dr. Mustafa Hamid, the uh, minister of uh, Zongo development, housing and urban development, for the country of Ghana. And then we spent a very, very informative hour and 15 minutes touring the Valparaiso Wastewater Treatment Plant. Why
1: would that interest him, Paul?
0: Because there are no sewer systems in Ghana. Well, there are, but there are trenches in the the streets, and they're open, and it smells like uh, you would expect a sewer to smell everywhere, and it all flows into the Atlantic Ocean. Now, everybody's appalled at that, but realize that uh, before 1956, everything we flushed down the toilet flowed into lake michigan mm-hmm. in 1956 we began a wastewater treatment plant mm-hmm. so in
1: 1980 at, when the neighbors flushed their toilet it went into my yard okay so
0: <laughs> so so for the next uh, two and a half days i am going to be um playing host to this uh cabinet level minister from ghana showing him some of the things that he might want to take back to his community and by the way uh This is not a uh, we-know-what's-best sort of effort. This is a a real cultural exchange because I learned a lot going over there and seeing the nature of that community. And at some other point, we can talk about that. Interestingly enough, we are going to record Dr. Mm. Hamid tomorrow morning for broadcast Saturday morning on Greg Jones' show, uh, Chicago. uh, At 8 o'clock. Morning Black. Morning uh, Black. uh, Yeah. So – so that's what I've been doing today.
1: And Larry? And he's, going to, he's going to speak tomorrow night at the university in the Brown and Gold Room in the Hari Union at 7 o'clock. That's and right. topic's going to be a little bit different. He's going to talk about what religion, uh, ethnicity. ethnicity, and politics in the development of Ghana, something like that. So Suffice I, it to say. I listened to him this morning at breakfast, and I, I, very interesting.
0: Smart man, yeah. uh, cabinet-level position, knows the and. Insin- Outs of his government and is curious about us, and that's what really impressed me—the fact that he flew all the way across the ocean to come to. I mean, where's Valparaiso, Indiana? Just we're a small town, Larry.
1: So, any well, we can talk about this some other time. I just wanted to bring it out because you. that's what that's what uh, Paul's been doing, and I think it's very interesting related to issues of housing, which we're concerned about on the show the conversations and community voices show that Paul and I have been doing together for the last eight months uh, we are generally do once a month each of us but we combined the two programs with the ABC and and talked about issues but on the last program we did on on uh, must have been last Monday it was last Monday which replayed then Thursday Friday thur- Thursday and Saturday, Saturday. and and I, I talked I talked a little bit about the election, and then I talked about campaign finance. And what I did was I went through Murphy's uh, in, information. I said at some point in time I'd like to go back and look at Durnell's. And so what I'm gonna do is take the last five minutes of the program here and talk a little bit about that, but preface it by saying this only comes from the report that both of these gentlemen filed Uh, before the election, before the general election. And that technically covered the period from early April to October 11th. Okay, But in in each one of those ports, it had a year total. So technically speaking, what this does here is it includes the money that was contributed to them between the first of the year, this year, through October 11th. But then it allows you to put any large-scale things after, and Matt Murphy had three large-scale uh, additions, and Bill Durnell had none. So I included all of the money. So technically, if you go back and say, well, check some of my numbers, you may have to be very careful to recognize where this money came from. It didn't come from the primary, it didn't come, it just came from the last year, okay? So anyway, and it's broken down by, indi- by different categories. And I think the one is very interesting is individual contributions. In Murphy's uh, campaign during that period, uh, there were 73 people contributed to his campaign, individuals, and Bill Durnell was 103 people, so there was 30 more people. What I thought was interesting, basically, that those 73 people for Matt Murphy contributed $54,438, and the 103 people for Bill Durnell contributed $32,454. But what's interesting, is for Murphy, 46% of those people were from Valparaiso. I'm sorry, 63% were from Valparaiso, and 37% were from outside the city. And for Durnell, 80, 90, 89% were from Valparaiso, and 11% were from outside the city. So you can see you know, Durnell has a lot more people, and they're a lot more likely to be inside the city And and Murphy has fewer people, and they're more likely, although still, you know, most of them are from inside the city, still almost 40% come from outside the city in that situation. Now, these dollar amounts that you gave, Larry, do not represent all the money that was contributed. It's only individual contributions. Only individual. So, So for example, if you you look at this, the average uh, contribution made to Murphy's campaign by an individual was $745 the average co- contribution by a Durnell person was $315, okay? What's also interesting is that if you look at Murphy's data, uh, that the average contribution by an outside person was $922 and, and Durnell's was $352. So one of the things that comes out of here in my mind is look at all the money that's coming from outside the city for both of them, but particularly for Murphy. And also again, Durnell is made up of just a, a large number of smaller contra- contributors and things like that, if you jump then to corporations, it's interesting that the um, total number of corporate corporations that um, gave money in the campaign there was thirty four corporations that did in this campaign for twenty nine I'm sorry I should go back twenty nine corporations gave money to um, to uh, murphy um, most of those, 76% of them came from inside the city, 24% came from outside. Only five corporations gave money to Durnell. 80% of those were from Valpo, 20% were outside the city, okay? In Murphy's case, that he collected $48,000 from corporations, $48,280 from corporations. Bill Durnell collected $1,500 from corporations. So you can see this, this whole different kind of orientation of Durnell's drawing all this money, most of his money, from small donors and individual contributors. Right. And for Murphy here, $48,000 of his total amount of money uh, is coming from corporations. The average corporation uh, in con- contributing money to Murphy uh, was $1,665. For Durnell, it was $300. Okay, so what you're seeing is, is, is what, what's consistent through the whole pattern here. If we look at, we got about a couple minutes here. If we look at other organizations, not individuals, not corporations, but what they call other organizations, Murphy collected a total of uh, $60,000 from 19 contributors. 12 from inside Valparaiso, 7 from outside Valparaiso. In other words, 37% from outside. Durnell collected money from 10 other organizations, 8 from Valpo, 2 from outside of Valpo. Again, he collected a total of $5,525 compared to Murphy's $60,038. Okay, uh, and uh, it, what you what you find is same kind of pattern goes through. I see. I got about a minute left. Okay, but anyway, the the, the picture is pretty clear. If you look at that, Murphy during the period collected over two hundred thousand dollars. Forty one percent of them came from local organizations. Durnell collected fifty five thousand dollars. Fifty eight percent of them came from local organizations. So again, you got this whole. You know, it's an inter- interesting thing to think about the election, how much of the money for both of them came from outside, but again, in particular, Murphy's case. So, Paul's going to cut me off real quick here. So, I can bring this up again, too. I know it's hard. People always complain about it. Boss, well, all you do is throw numbers at people, you know, but uh, if you think about what these results are, it's pretty interesting.
0: Thank you, Larry. <laughs> You've been listening to ABC at Noon on WVLP 103.1. Jack Ballantyne, City Council reporter. Larry Boss and Paul Schreiner. We will be live again in two weeks. And you can hear this broadcast tomorrow night at 5
1: o'clock or Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And then the following Tuesday at 5. And the following
0: Tuesday at 5. Thanks for listening.